0: Welcome to the 324th episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. Stay tuned for my interview with Chris Mooney, author of the new novel, Blood World. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Chris Mooney, author of the new novel, Blood World. Chris's previous novels include Snow Girls, Every Pretty Thing, Every Three Hours, and Fear the Dark. Chris, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Jeff.
0: Sure. If someone listening hasn't heard about Blood World yet, how would you describe your new novel?
1: Blood World is a crime novel that takes place in the not-so-distant future. And all that means is, say, like two to three years from now, it's not a sci-fi novel and in this not-so-distant future, they've discovered that there are these group of people called carriers that basically have blood that is constantly regenerating, keeping them young, healthy, fighting off disease, and what happens in the course of the book, when the book, actually when the book opens you find out that there's this procedure in place that if you get blood from a carrier and you're a non-carrier and mix it with this drug, it gives you all of these enhanced feelings of anything from sexual arousal to great physical uh, fitness. You can eat whatever you want and burn off fat. And what's happening now is that all of these basically younger kids, I'll say, you know, teenagers to young adults – are getting snatched from the streets and put into these blood farms and being used, you know, for for their blood for basically the wealthy and the privileged. So it's, it's a crime story from the perspective of a guy who's running the biggest blood farm in Los Angeles and this young cop uh, named Ellie DeBatista who is really, really... Uh, Convince she can access the blood world and find out where they're keeping these carriers on these blood farms. So it's a big, uh, big, big crime story.
0: And so do you remember the original idea that led you to ride Blood World?
1: Yes. There's this new trend, and I'm sure you or some of your listeners have heard about it, where... There's these people that believe that if you get a blood transfusion from someone who's much younger, it will help uh, starve off disease, it will help you, you know, uh, remain healthier and live long. There's this big, big movement in Silicon Valley to do these, I'll, I'll call them life hacks, where they're really trying to unlock the fountain of youth. And what I did is I just took it one step further and said, well, what if, what if it actually happened? What would that world look like from a crime perspective? Um, And that's, and that's where Blood World kind of grew out of that.
0: So this is your fifth published novel, and you just mentioned your original idea for Blood World. I'm curious what the process is for you when you are thinking about a new novel. Did, When you thought about that um, phenomenon, which I am familiar with, with kind of Silicon Valley types, experimenting with uh, body hacking or life hacking. I'm just curious. um, Did you see the novel as a whole? Did you just originally have that idea? Can you tell me a a little bit about the creative or creation process for you as you're sitting down and starting to work?
1: I can't tell you naturally where ideas come from. You know, I teach... Uh, Writing every now and then. And I can't tell you where the ideas come from, but like something happened. So I remember reading something about these blood transfusions and that thing in my head, that idea machine, whatever you want to call it, said, Well, geez, I wonder what that world would actually look like if it came to fruition and who would have access to that sort of technology. And it really comes down to I think anyone who has the money can, can, you know, can have access to such a thing. And for me, the idea process is always, does the idea get me excited? And more importantly, you know, I'll have different ideas for things and the idea has to linger and grow. And if it's growing and it's really taking um, a hold of my attention That's when I know I'm on to something. And then it's from there, the next part is going, okay, well, what's this story look like? And kind of fleshing out different ideas and what I think the best way to tell the story is. And the best way for me, it always comes down to, I always want to be telling stories where you pick up the book and you can't put it down. So I start basically kind of like a cook throwing different things in to see... What I'm, what I'm gonna get, and how to make make that dream that's uh, or that movie that's kind of spinning in my head. How do I put that down on paper?
0: And so, what are your earliest memory memories of reading and books?
1: My well, the story I always tell because it's true and it's kind of funny is that when I was a kid of about eleven or twelve, growing up in the Boston area, they had this show called Creature Double Feature. And they showed all the black and white horror movies, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon, all of those things. And then on Saturday nights, they showed what their version of the scarier ones and they were in color. And um, I, my uh, cool grandmother, not the Irish Catholic grandmother, but the, the, the nice grandmother, um, she let me watch these movies while my parents went out on their date night on Saturday nights. And I remember to this day, watching the commercials and a commercial for the shining came on and I saw this, the elevators part open, you know, the, the scene, the blood's gushing out. And I remember sitting up in the couch going, what the hell is this? Cause the, you know, it's the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I begged my parents when they came back, it was rated R. I'm like, please, I got, I had to see it. Please, please, please let me go see this. Let me go see this. And my mother's shaking her head and my father goes, you know what? We'll check it out. We're actually going to go see it the following weekend. So they went on their date night. They came back. I ran upstairs to my father and said, can I see it? And my mother said, there is absolutely no way in hell you're ever going to see that movie. (laughs) But I had a suspicion that was going to happen. So I had found out that it was based on a book. It was by Stephen King, who I had never read at the time. I also found out that it was at the library. So I got it on hold. My father took me down there. I went to get it. And there's this woman behind. It's the typical stereotypical librarian. She is 300 years old. She babysat Moses, you know, white hair in the bun and all of that other stuff. And I went to get the book and she just said, you can't read this book. You're too young. And I said, my father said, I can read it. No, you can't. My father comes in, they get into an argument, you know, you mind your business, sir, this is disgraceful, all of that stuff. And when I got that book home, I, I felt like I had this, this treasure in my hand, you know, cause it had been also built up and I started reading it that night and I could not stop. I was scared to death. I was totally riveted. And that was the moment when it was like, oh my God this is what I want to do with my, my life. Like, this is the kind of thing that I want to do. I want to have, uh, I want to write books that you pick up and that you can't put down. Cause it's such a cool process. Uh, when you, when you stumble upon a book, whether or uh, a series TV show that totally grips you. And I've been an avid reader and writer ever since.
0: And so what was the path to publication like for you, for your first novel Did you write other novels before getting your first one published? What was that like?
1: My first novel was a book called Deviant Ways. And I finally got an agent after a year, uh, this wonderful, wonderful woman named Pam Bernstein. And she said, you know, she's like, look, there's some problems with it, some structural issues. I can't tell you how to fix that because I'm not an editor. But, you know, we're going to send it out. So we sent it out and it got, you know, it got re- rejections. But there was like, yeah, there was a structural issue and all that. And she advised me going to work with an independent editor. And the guy's name was uh, Richard Merrick, who edited Silence of the Lambs and discovered Robert Ludlum. And I just said, yes, send it to him. Absolutely. I This is the guy I want to work with. So he read it. And I remember I had to wait over the weekend. I'm, you know, I was just dying. What did he think? What did he think? And Monday morning, he calls, and I said, "Well, what'd you think?" And he says, "I think you got to start over from page one." And he and I was crushed. But as he went through went through his lists of editorial notes, it was also the sense of, you know, what I see what he's saying, and he's right. So I basically worked with him on on the book, and it was pretty much like a PhD course in thriller writing. And after that, that was the book that sold. And I've been writing, I don't know, I'm like 13 books in, 14 books in. And I've been, you know, writing a book nearly every year, every year and a half ever since.
0: And so you mentioned teaching writing earlier. Yep. And I know you've taught writing at Harvard, <coughs> Harvard in the Harvard Extension School.
1: Yes. What
0: What's your process for teaching writing?
1: you know what that's a really good question and i teach at the harvard extension school during the fall and spring and then in the summer harvard asks me to teach for their their basic summer writing program and the thing that i always focus on the thing that i always feel is lacking as someone who's gone you know has attended writing classes and seminars and all that is there's no emphasis on story And I think if you're going to be a writer, you have to understand story first. And that's where screenwriters are at an advantage because they learn very, very early on the importance of story, the importance of structure, the importance of, you know, showing versus telling. So my class usually revolves around that. And I'm always surprised that you'll have these really, really good writers, crafts, you know, the, the craftsman point of view. But they don't know anything about story. And that's the thing I try to teach. And, and it's hard and it's difficult. But, you you know, you learn through repetition and you learn by making mistakes. And I'm a big fan of encouraging as many mistakes as possible.
0: And so how do you learn story?
1: I mean, the thing that this is this great book by Janet Burroway. And she has in it this chart it, it looks like an inverted check mark and it shows here's how the story opens and then it climbs to a midpoint and then it goes all the way up and you get the the the, the climax and then it comes down and you get the resolution and if you look at that chart that structure is apparent in every single story that you look at whether it be a movie a TV show or a book and it doesn't matter in the genre. I I can show, you know, I what I show students is that uh you pick a Pixar movie. That inverted check mark is in a Pixar movie, it's in the newest Batman movie, it's in some quiet literary novel or film. And once you understand that, that's when you can really do a lot with your own writing and storytelling. You have to have the two have to be married together, in my opinion.
0: So have you written any screenplays along the way, or do you just stick to prose and fiction?
1: I generally stick to the books. The books are the things that take up the time. I have written a couple of pilots for a few things, and... Uh, you know, I'm hoping with Blood World, if that goes to TV, that there'll be an opportunity there to write. I really enjoy the collaborative aspect of of the screenplay stuff. I mean, writing a book is a very solitary thing unless you have an editor and agent, which I do, which are very hands on. And I like that. I like talking about stuff in process, I like p- picking people's brains. And I'm not very, very well suited. I'm not the writer who likes to sit alone and don't bother me and, uh, you know, don't disturb my process. I like that collaborative aspect and and it always results, I think, in a much, much better book.
0: So are you planning to write more in the world of Blood World?
1: I had an idea, you know, when I sat down to do it, the editor was asking me what I thought and I had an idea for a trilogy, but... And I'm still open to it, but I wanted Blood World to be its own contained thing. And the reason why is that there's a couple of trilogies that I'm thinking of. Um, the in the, the first one is the Justin Cronin's The Passage, and I loved that book. I thought it was great. Yeah, that was really good. It, loved it. And then you know the the second book in that series came out a few years later, and it was a totally different story. And, I'm, and I was trying to remember, like Game of Thrones was like this, the Game of Thrones series. I'm like, wait, what happened in the first one? And I, I can't <laughs> remember, and who's what? And it had a huge cast of characters. And I, lo- and I loved the entire series. But I don't want, for me, I want a, a reader to pick up Blood World and go, great, I got it this was awesome. And then if another one comes out and they decide to read the second one before the first one, that's fine. It's not going to impact them at all. So that's what I try to do when I plan out stuff, even if it's a series, like I write the Darby McCormick series. And the whole thing about that is you can pick up any book at any time in the series and you'll never be lost. Lee Child does that really, really well. And I kind of learned from him. Like, that's the way to do it.
0: True. You never want My the child. reader to
1: feel like they got homework. Like, okay, if you're going to read this one, now you got to go back to number one and go from right. there. And you're like, they, they, they are, you don't want to do that. So
0: what did you find most challenging, if anything, about writing Blood World?
1: Blood World was, the thing that was challenging about it was I had never written a story that is told exclusively through two parallel points of view. So when Blood World opens, you're in, there's two main characters. There's Sebastian, who is the owner of this Los Angeles blood farm. And then you have the young uh, female cop, Ellie de Batista, who's on her own journey. So I'm writing basically these two parallel stories and then they intersect. So, it was in a way, it was writing two books and merging them into one. And I'm glad I did that because you see it from both sides. And it was really challenging in the best possible creative way with Sebastian is that here you have a bad guy and yet you're you're going to like him and sympathize with him through all of his awful decisions. So it's a, he's a really fully fleshed out Uh, character as is Ellie and I really wanted to show all of these different dimensions of these two characters while also doing you know like I was just saying these this parallel story so that was challenging but in the best possible way you know it was a really big book by the end of the first draft I think it was like something 670 pages and I knew it was too long but I had to tighten it down but it it was definitely challenging.
0: So what writing advice would you offer for listeners who are writing their own stories and novels?
1: I'll offer the same advice Stephen King gives to everyone because it's 100% true. I would also, before I get into that, I would say read his book on writing because the thing I love about King is he demystifies the whole process. And in order to write, you have to read a lot and you have to write a lot. If you end up reading a lot, you see structure you see how scenes are set you see what you see what story is all about but seeing it and then putting into practice are two different things but the more you read the more you discover I don't want to call them the tricks but what the craftsmanship is all about like how you show and not tell how you reveal certain things And then answer a reader's question and then reveal something else. And all that does is it takes time and practice. And I think that's something that you can teach writers. The only thing I think, at least for me, that I can't teach is where do ideas come from? Because the honest answer is I don't know. I don't know why my brain Uh, produces these kind of dark things or or riveting things or thrilling things. I don't know where it comes from, but the other part of it, taking an idea that you have, shaping it and working it, that's something that can be taught uh, through the right sort of guidance.
0: So earlier, you mentioned your experience with your first novel and working with its editor, and they said that you needed to start over on page one. I'm curious if you can remember, what was kind of the biggest challenge or the biggest thing for you to learn as you were rewriting that novel and basically learning how to write a publishable thriller novel? The
1: biggest... I just wrote about this in my newsletter uh, that I sent out this month, which is the thing that really struck me with Dick's editorial letter wasn't the structural things. It was this advice he gave me at the end, which basically said that the entire book was a lie. And what he meant by that is that he could tell through my writing, I was afraid to go to certain places or to really flesh out certain scenes because I was worried that someone, the reader was going to read this and go, oh my God, this guy needs intensive psychotherapy and preferably to be locked away somewhere because he clearly has some sort of mental issues because how, you know, how does a thriller writer come up with these things? How does Stephen King come up with these things and look so normal? He can't be normal. And I really took that to heart. And when I read that, I knew he was 100% correct. And When I sat down to write the book that became Deviant Ways, I promised myself that I was going to do what Stephen King says is tell the truth, meaning I'm going to take the brakes off my imagination. I'm going to let things go. And if I go too far, my editor or agent will pull me back. That happened very early in Blood World, too. That's actually a really interesting story, but... It's.
0: Why don't you tell us that story?
1: Okay. So, yeah. when I decided to write Blood World, I sat down. This is how it works. I sat down to to write. I had an idea of what the first scene was about, you know, because I don't necessarily outline, but I outlined. like Our chapter one is going to be about this, this, and this. And I sat down and I was writing it. And as I was writing it, I had, and I won't give it away. I had this idea that popped into my head. And it's in, the fir- it's in the first chapter. And I was like, there is no way I can write this. There's no way I can put this in there. But I did it anyway. And the reason why I did was creatively in that my gut, my gut's like, you have to write this. Yes, it's a little uncomfortable, but you have to write this because the whole book is going to revolve around this. And it's a really shocking thing. So I wrote it. I wrote the first, I don't know, three chapters uh, because we wanted to show it to the editor and um, get feedback. So I sent it to my agent, this guy named Josh Getzler, really good agent. And I knew he was going to, I knew he was going to come back at me. So he came, he calls me and goes, you know, hey, I read the pictures. Uh, Not the pictures, excuse me, I read the pages. And I said, "Uh uh-huh. And there's this long pause. excuse me and he said there is absolutely no way chris i can show this to the editor they're going to think you've lost your mind and i said i knew you were going to say that and i don't blame you for saying that but the and i laid out my entire strategy as to why the scene was important and we went back and forth back and forth back and forth and i finally convinced him to do it, and we had set up a meeting for me to come to New York, and I was going to sit down the, two, you know, uh, the two of us, and my editor was going to be there. Actually, a couple of editors were going to be there, and everyone had read it, and you you could tell when I went there there was a this white elephant in the room. So I said, "All right, let's let's talk about it." What did you think of that that first chapter? And there was this dead silence, and I could feel it in my gut going like, "Oh no, this is not going to turn my way." And I turned to this really, really smart uh, woman who was next to me and her head was kind of bowed. And I said, well, what did you think? She goes, honestly, we thought it was great. So that was a huge relief. And the book just sped up from there. Sometimes that works. And sometimes, rightfully so, my agent will go, this is too far. And I can tell you the reasons why. Why? So, I going back to your original question, which is I always encourage writers, you have to go there. If you're going to, you got to tell the truth. You got to really delve into the character, into the scene, and you can't worry about being judged because once you put that sensor on, it really impacts the story that you, that you really truly want to tell. You're in essentially, in a way, killing it.
0: So that's a great story. What what novels or nonfiction books have you read recently that you enjoyed?
1: Oh uh, God, that's a good question. I I'm just finishing up. James Patterson wrote this book on the Kennedys. And being from Boston, I'm fascinated by the Kennedys because they're they played such a huge, huge role uh in our state's history. So that's really, really good. I'm reading. I'm about to start reading this, bu- and it's a, for research. This book on Blackwater, the the security comp company. Um, and then there's another one that I'm about to. I'm halfway through. It's a line in winter. It's about Winston Churchill. I've been reading that on and off for about <laughs> a year. It's a. Th- it's like a thousand pages, and. I can only read so much of it because I'm getting pulled in different directions, but everything I read, I it's it's utterly fabulous.
0: That's great. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels?
1: You can go to my website, chrismooneybooks.com. If you go there and sign up, uh, we're giving away for Blood World. There's this prologue that I wrote that you can get and it introduces you to what life looks like in a blood farm. And you can Follow me on Twitter, at Chris Mooney Mooney Books, and Instagram, Chris Mooney Books, and same thing with Facebook.
0: Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Chris Mooney, author of the new thriller novel, Blood World. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Chris, thanks for doing this interview.
1: Thanks so much, Jeff. I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Great.